Hey y'all, it's me, Dallas. Um, I'm here with a special bonus episode for you all. Recently, I was invited to participate in a panel at the PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia, which is a sort of gaming convention, where we went and talked about being a small business and how to sort of get started with taking your handmade items to market. I participated in the panel with Danny from Hoops and Loom, Eris from Eris Custom Designs, GM Lee uh, from Twitter, and Leah from Greenleaf Geek, and we had a fantastic time. We actually managed to get the recording of that, although the recorder died before we could get to any audience questions, and I've included that here in this special episode for you. I hope you take something away from it, and I hope you enjoy listening. I absolutely loved going to Philadelphia to be on this panel, and I really hope I get to do so again in the future. Enjoy the episode. Okay. We so. do get like a and go. Yes, yes. That's great. That's so professional. You're wonderful. There. First off, let's just give it up for the enforcers today. I got lost like four times coming here, oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> hey. So I had to ask so many people for help. Okay, so welcome everyone. Um, this is Handmade Helper, bringing your handmade items to market. Um, uh, uh, so, brain and mouth need to sync up. Um, did you ever make a really cool thing that you want to share with the world? You want to kind of, you know, maybe a friend says, hey, you should really sell your item. Well, that's kind of what happened for just about everybody up here. Um, at one point or another, someone was like, hey, that's a great idea. You should sell it. Well, here we are. Um, selling handmade things is a bit tricky uh, and can vary depending on where you live and what regulations you have to go through, how you want to sell it, what you're making even can affect how you price things or how you do shipping or deliveries or anything like that. I know I said the dirty S word. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's it, it can vary a lot. So what I did was I went through, since so many people have questions, and it's not really a clear process. There's no instructions anywhere saying, so you're selling something, this is what you do, and this is how you go about it. There's nothing on there. You do Google searches, and you'll get conflicting information no matter where you go. There's no cut and dry thing. Um, but these wonderful people have volunteered to help give us their experiences and kind of, you know, help maybe, maybe it sounds like something you're doing and maybe it'll help, help you figure out what you want to do um, when it's time for you to go to market. So um, I'm Eris Savad. I uh, go by Eris underscore Savad on Twitter, Eris Savad everywhere else because Twitter hates me. Um, my business is Eris Custom Designs, and I make fabric dice trays and um, other accessories uh, for everyone, really. I'm trying my hardest to make everything available for everyone, no matter their location or their ability. All right, um, I'm Sarah Wheatley, or Dallas Wheatley. Um, I'm Sweet Podcasts on Instagram and Twitter. I'm also Shire Suds on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and I make soap for sensitive skin. And I recently started making 
as you can see here, this uh, D-soapy on a ropey, as I call it. Yes. <laughs> uh, which I, I will be having a giveaway after this panel, so... Um, yeah, but you can you can find me online at those at those handles. So, awesome. Uh, hello, I'm Danny Gage. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at uh, Danny Yogani, and uh, my business is Hoop and Loom, where I make dice bags that I'm especially known for for having pretty rad pocket designs. So, yeah. Uh, I'm Leah Frampton. I'm uh, Greenleaf Geek, and I'm everywhere at Greenleaf Geek. Um, I make custom resin dice, and um, I also, as part of my business, sell um, like resold dice from larger manufacturers. But the primary aspect of my business is handmade dice. Thanks. Um, my name is Lee, also known as GM Lee around the internet. Uh, I paint miniatures a lot. I don't technically make anything, but it's still a process. It's awesome, and it's fun. Um, yeah, oh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore GM. All right. That's all I got. So I guess I'm, I, I made an outline because I'm very anxious. Um, uh, so first question is, where do I start? Uh, you got to decide how you want to sell. Do you want to sell online or in person or maybe a combination of both? Um, well, we'll start with in-person because it's a little bit easier to kind of go through and then we'll start talking about the other ways to sell. Um, in-person, you definitely need to look at local conventions and um, artists, uh, artist gatherings, any kind of craft shows. Um, it will really vary by where you live, what regulations you have to follow. Um, if you're in the U.S., you want to look at your government, your state government's website to see any business LLCs that you might need to set up, anything like that. Um, it really varies, so we're kind of going to skip over that since it's too much. <laughs> we only have an hour today. <laughs> um, going on um, online sales. Um, there are so many platforms. Uh, a lot of people start on Etsy. Yeah. Everybody? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people start on Etsy. Um, there's, <laughs> well, uh, a lot of people start on Etsy. Um, I currently use Wix for my website because I found after going through like Squarespace and everything like uh, a couple other websites, which I can't even remember because they were so bad, it's not even memorable. Um, <laughs> I, I finally settled on Wix and it works for me. Um, I currently use Etsy because I, I tend to have a large stock that I need to keep track of. I don't make things on custom order. Um, and Etsy has a really nice feature for managing stock every time someone orders and they integrate with Square so you can do in-person sales. Um, I'm probably going to be moving away from Etsy in the future and trying out Wix because I really like I really like your website. I think it's a great website. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I would say um, like I use Etsy right now too. Um, I'm planning to move away from that because there are a lot of fees involved. Uh, but I do think it's a really great platform for learning uh, your own business and like learning how you're going to run it because um, they just take care of so many other things for you um, that it really helps you learn the process. So I found that Etsy is great for custom orders. Um, you know, people go to Etsy because they want to have like that special item that nobody has. So um, I did really well there. Uh, starting off with custom orders. 
Uh, and so yeah, I recommend it if you're looking to start, but you know, you're gonna grow and you're gonna fly away and do something way better. <laughs> there, there are definitely pros and cons to Etsy. I started on Etsy as well. And I mean, big pros, it already has its own built-in audience. If somebody's on Etsy, they're already there. They might find you if they search the right stuff. SEO is huge on Etsy though, search engine oh, yeah. optimization. So if you're not using, you know, the Bible SEO for Etsy, you probably won't get found unless you have a following to drive your own traffic. From what I found though, by the time I was driving my own traffic to Etsy, it didn't make sense to be there. So, I mean, for me, I'm Canadian. I don't know if that's relevant to anyone else here, but um, the, with the currency exchange, I know, right? With the currency exchange, um, it ended up being somewhere close to 10% they were taking on every sale, which wasn't realistic for me anymore. So um, I switched to Etsy pattern, which is actually a really simple transition if you're already on Etsy. So if you're just starting out there, really easy to get started and then if you decide to switch to Etsy pattern it looks like your own website you can have your own URL that directs there but they don't charge you the listing fee so with normally Etsy you pay 20 cents US for every item that sells and every item you list whether it sells or not so when it renews or someone buys it and there's another one available you pay 20 cents every time with pattern you don't so there's still a transaction fee but there's no listing fee so that was a big savings for me um, didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. So Etsy had really great shipping options. Um, being in Canada, shipping sucks to everywhere else, and ninety percent of what I send is here. So um, that was I was sad to move away from Etsy because the customization options for shipping are fantastic. I have been now. I'm sorry to like overtake this conversation. <laughs> I have been through pretty well every platform I can think of. I've tried Squarespace. I've tried Big Commerce. I've tried um, I tried WooCommerce on um, what's that WordPress. Called? WordPress, WordPress. WordPress yeah. for a while. That literally exploded on me. Um, That's right. It was terrible. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but I don't know any coding, so that I mean that might be part of it. Um, I know you Shopify, huge fan. Um, it is not inexpensive, so you have to be able to drive your own traffic, and you have to be able to um, know that you're going to be making enough money to make it worth it. Um, but if you're doing enough volume of sales, so once you're a little bit more established, Shopify is great. Lots of customization, great support 24-7. So I, 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 would, I would like to interject for a second. If you're worried about starting off with a site and then having to switch at some point, I think the best thing you can do is if you buy your own domain name, that's about $12 a year. Um, and you can just set a, a, like an HTTP or an SSP like forwarding address so that your domain just automatically forwards to whichever site you then end up at. So you don't have to worry about like someone's coming to look for you at you know, shiresuds.com, but then you switch to a new platform. You don't have to worry about people getting lost. So yeah. I'm just gonna put that out there. There is, there is some changeover when you change platforms, even if you have your own domain, which is what I ran into more than once this past year. Um, so if you're redirecting your domain from you know, your Etsy shop to now Shopify, there's about a 48 hour period where things are sort of adjusting and yeah. it can be a little bit messy, but once you're over that, yeah, yeah it makes it way easier. Right. Uh, I mean, so I do a lot of custom orders pretty much exclusively. So I don't have a shop don't do all those things but I, I have found that I do most of my sales all through PayPal so somebody will order something from me or they want a commission um, and PayPal uh, it's fine I do just is I I do everything through invoices so that I have documentation for all of it so that everybody can be held accountable 
I do take a hit from it that's like this big, but I mean, I would rather do that and have that trail. Their protections are very Yeah, their protections are good. And I mean, I don't keep stock of anything. I don't. Because I have a lot going on. So how do people find you regularly? I, I, I pretty much just post everything on Twitter. I'm like, look, I painted this thing. And somebody's like, will you paint this thing for me? And I'm like, yes. What works for you? Like, I'm really bad with computers and technology, and I couldn't code if my life depended on it. <laughs> and so, like, the things that work for, say, Danny or Leah will not work for me at all because I just can't wrap my head around the interface. Um, so that's good. Pricing. We're going to go over this just briefly. Because <laughs> this will change depending on what you're making, how much work you have to put into it. Um, a good general formula to start out with, though, is your materials cost times two plus your hours work multiplied by your wage. So pay yourself hourly at least. Um, give yourself a fair rate, too, because your work is special. You are worth more than just minimum wage if you are making anything because you have to put time and you have to put development of the talent to take in and make a quality product, no matter what it is. You've practiced at it. You are worth it. Pay yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah, yeah that can be same. really hard when you're starting out because a lot of people, you know, if you're going into a new handmade business, oh, I'm new, so I have to start out low. But it makes it a lot harder to raise your prices later where, to where they should have been in the first place. Yeah. And the people, honestly, like I, I don't make a cheap product. The people who buy my products are the people who know their value. And mm -hmm. those are the people you want as your customer anyway. So try not to undercut yourself. Um, in the long run, it'll make it harder on you. Yeah. And, and don't let yourself get guilted into dropping your prices yeah. either. Yes. That happened to me a lot when I was starting out was like, I was selling mostly at farmer's markets, and I cannot tell you how many Kathy's came up to me and was like, I can get this soap $5 cheaper at another table. Well, you know what, Kathy? My soap is the price that it is, and if you want it, you want it. Yeah. Or you can go to that other table and yeah. save some money and get worse soap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing is you don't want to develop your skills and get to a part where you, you know you're worth something, but you've been charging yourself way less than that later. Like, you know. And also, we're, we're making a minimum, we're making like a, this is our living. This is how we are making our money. I'm not going to whatever grocery store that's going to pay me whatever it is and working nine to five or whatever. Um, I am in my studio making an item and I will continue making an item until I have finished making whatever I need to make that day. Um, and, you know, and of course, I'm not actually getting paid to make that item. I'm only getting paid when I sell that item. Yeah. Um, so you have to remember that, like, you're not getting a regular paycheck. There's no one going to be sitting there paying you whatever wage and giving you benefits and stuff like that. That's all on you. Unless you have some magical situation that we don't know about, in which case, okay, because that would be great. Yes, please, yeah. tell me. Yeah. Um, so make sure you're paying yourself. So the general thing is, twice your materials, plus your hourly wage, plus um, MSRP, manufacturer su uh, suggested. 
Please help us. We got this. We got this. Manufacturer suggested retail price, which is usually about 30 to 50% markup, depending on what you're making and how you're selling it and mm -hmm. all that stuff. It, it's a very fluid thing, but that's a good starting point for most people. Okay. Uh, Bad S word again, shipping. Uh, <laughs> this is where the Etsy stuff comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Etsy's fun with shipping. They started with an algorithm, I think, in the UK, and now they're bringing it over to the US where they will prioritize listings that have free shipping um, on their search pages. And if you make something like soap, you're already like on page 100. <laughs> because everybody makes soap. <laughs> um, so that's fun. And shipping isn't free for anybody oh, it's not. at any point. Someone is paying for shipping, whether it's the customer or the person selling the product or, you know, if there's a middle person there. Sorry, I, I don't mean to, like, interrupt the flow. I just remember now that you said that you were, like, on page 100. If you're going to be on Etsy, there's a website that I have used while I was on it called Marmalade. If you're into Etsy, write this down. It's very helpful. It's free. They, you sign in, you give them your Etsy information, and they go through all your listings, and they help you with your SEO. They recommend tags. They can tell you like where you show up on. They basically rate all your listings from like A to F on where it is in SEO, and they yeah show you what to fix. How do you spell that? Marmalade. So it's like marmalade, but lead at the end. L E A D. E A D. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. now on the good. Very good. Like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And when you're talking shipping, you also have to remember, like, the what what are you shipping it in? Are you putting oh, yeah, it in yeah. a box? Ooh. Are you going to add, like, packing material to it? That costs money, too. You have to pay for that. Plus your time. Before you even sell the thing. And you always run out of everything at the same time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> always. always. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, <laughs> yeah, I've, like, yeah. run out of my small packages. Like, I have nothing but big ones left now. Gosh. But also, like, the type gone. of packaging you use also changes your shipping price, yes. which is something you need to think about. Is you need to think about, you know, what is going into that specific package? How much does that increase the weight? How much does that increase the size? How much does that change, you know, what you're paying at USPS or whatever post office you're using for those specific dimensions? And then you don't want to have to try to squeeze things into packages just because, you know, you're like, but I don't want to pay the more expensive shipping for, for <laughs> more soap. I'm just going to squeeze it in there because you're likely to end up damaging stuff. and um, Certain platforms will actually allow you to customize each listing. So for instance, Shopify, where I am now, I know that a set of dice weighs 32 grams. So I can program that into the very listing. So if someone buys five sets of dice, it knows that it's about 160 grams. It yep. then calculates that at checkout for the customer. It's going to cost you this much because it integrates with Canada Post, which is where I do most of my shipping. So depending on the platform, a lot of them will have something like that. I don't know whether Etsy has something like that now. It does. Um, they've been adjusting their protocols with like shipping profiles, mm -hmm. which has been getting interesting. I've now adjusted to free shipping in the US and I've done that by actually adding a $5 markup on all my products, mm -hmm. which includes, you know, the materials plus $1 for, like, handling. Mm -hmm. um, and if I ever, like, if something somebody inserts an address incorrectly and I have to reprint a label, that kind of covers all my bases for that. Sure. Um, but they used to have a thing where you still have to put in your item weight and, like, your finished package weight. 
but they've, I don't know, it's gotten strange. I found that like a lot of my shipping profiles keep disappearing oh. off Etsy for some reason as they're like switching their site for like with the new shipping the stuff. Day too. Yeah. yeah, like last week all of my shipping profiles went missing and I couldn't find them. I had to remake them. That's very so, bad. Yeah. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Did you have any? I, shipping's hard. <laughs> well, shipping shipping's really difficult for miniatures because some are super fragile. Some are, like, the variant in size is just, like, insane. Like, I shipped a dragon the other week, and I'm like, I don't have a box that this will go in and fit in that I can ship and keep the dragon safe, like, so it doesn't bend and it doesn't ship, and, like, trying to... It's so stressful. It's so stressful. <laughs> yeah. It, find out what works for you and just just stick with it. Make sure everything's safe. Uh, for people who, like, like I second-guess everything. I was like, I don't really know what's happening. So, um, yeah. So if you're that type of person and you need to, like, see solid numbers, uh, it's going to take a little time, but you can put together a spreadsheet. So what I did uh, to figure out how I need, what I need to charge for, like, shipping materials and everything is I just listed each individual thing that goes into a package, mm -hmm. like the stickers, the actual packaging, the tape, the, um, you know, business cards that I put in and then I divided like I put the cost and then um, I divided it by like all the amount of units that are in it and then I just added that all up and so then you get to see how much it's costing you for every little item that you're putting on that package and that's gonna be a lot easier for you to be able to calculate uh, without thinking am I losing money or not on this because I don't really know yeah I'm afraid that's to do very, that that's yeah. very brave I, of me oh I'm yeah. Yeah. Too. oh gosh so my entire <laughs> Shipping questions. Yeah, <laughs> my entire business is based on spreadsheets. They are all somewhere so on my computer. Great. There's like seven of them. I love spreadsheets <laughs> so much. Okay, so when uh, when the customer gets your item, hopefully they'll leave a review. Or if they, you know, don't get the item, um, stuff happens. Yeah. It happens. It does happen a lot. Stuff it does. does happen. You know, and like sometimes your package gets lost or damaged by whatever postal service you're using. And it's not your fault. It's not their fault, but it's on you to fix it um, because you're the one sending it out. So we got to figure something out here. Um, so. I mean, I think, so the I think legally once you've shipped it, you've done what you have to do. But if you want to be the person who gives good customer service, you make it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. like, kind of what the bottom line comes That to makes a big difference for people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, like, I've taken it upon myself before. Like, if someone didn't, just didn't get the package, it got lost. I went through and I made another one and sent it out. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I want them to be happy buying from me. I want them to feel good about the interaction that we had, about getting my product, whatever it may have been, um, you know? Yeah, I feel like especially for handmade items, a lot of your business comes from repeat customers. Mm -hmm. And so, word of mouth. And word of mouth. So like, <coughs> you're, what you're really selling is customer service. You're not selling your item. You're selling to this person that like, you are a reliable person who can give them a quality product and a quality experience and you know that 
that's a lot of effort and that costs a lot, especially when things go wrong. Yeah, I mean, you can get a handmade item from anyone, but if you have someone that you can buy similar things from and you get a really great experience and a relationship with someone, you're going to buy from them again versus someone else. Hey, yeah, so like, I, I feel very strongly that, that yeah. yeah, like you, yeah. you know, you want to set yourself apart by yes, making a great item, but also making a really good impression. Right. The, the trust and the accountability is really good and like be proud of your work. Mm-hmm. That's actually, I, I actually always make surplus soap because I keep that on hand specifically for when things go wrong. Like, you know, I had an issue a few weeks ago. I should have slept a lot more that day because I put labels on the wrong boxes. So people got the wrong soap. Oh, and, then, <laughs> and then I had to send replacement soaps. And in those boxes, I included like three surplus soaps. Because I wanted to say, you know, I am so sorry. You're getting this way later than you should have been. Now you have like three times as much soap as you need. I really hope you like it. <laughs> but you know, that's the, that's the thing when people, yeah, because those yeah. people will come back. Oh yeah. I would say like always, if, if somebody comes to you and tells you that they didn't receive a package, always have them double check. Uh, Cause I'm out of all the instances where I've had that happen, about 60% ended up finding it and they're like, oh, actually. Cause like, and I like the, the first packaging I used, it was like black. It was like this cool matte black like package. And so like, I guess they had it delivered to their office and it got stuck in like their office chair and it was disguised <laughs> in the office chair. Like, I don't know how that happened, but I said, hey, could you just double check one more time with your work? And she was like, oh. Yeah, it's here in my chair. So I mean, you just never know where the package is, and if it and if it they can't find it, like if you take that extra two hours or whatever to to find it with the the USPS, they will really appreciate it. Yeah, even even just reaching out to whatever mm-hmm. you use to ship to be like, hey, are you sure this isn't just stuck in a distribution center somewhere or yeah. something like that? It can make the world of difference on whether someone's happy about when they finally do receive it. Oh yeah, especially because each post office is different. Mm -hmm. You know, I know some post offices that will come to you, like no matter how late it is, and like bring you the package to your door. And I have, I live now somewhere where a post office, where a driver will drive past my apartment, say they couldn't deliver it, and then like go back to the office instead of walking to the door to drop off packages. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of. packages where they didn't even knock they just literally filled out the pink slip yeah. as yeah. they were walking up to my door and just stuck it on the door yeah like what <laughs> they don't carry the package with them or something I, well like i was i don't know but i was sitting on the couch which is literally right next to my front door so i heard them stick it on and I was like, oh, some kid just like slapped the door and ran off or something. And then later on, I went outside and I see the pink slip and I'm like, I was right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why haven't you even knocked? <laughs> I would have come. <laughs> um, yes. So I- we can't control post offices. But they may be hostile. No. They may be hostile. <laughs> but we can control the way we act when a problem is brought to us. Yes. Yeah. And also, I think it's just a very small part of that. It's important to sort of factor that into your numbers. Like, if you're operating a business where your margins are so close that you can't account for things that get lost, you need to raise your prices or do something else to make that happen. Because if, you know, one or two lost packages will 
take your business under, mm -hmm. something's not quite working for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually do actually make it with my uh, stickers because I make <clears throat> cute little like dice goblin stickers and stuff. And so when I was figuring out the pricing for those, um, I was like, okay, well, how many of these are going to get lost in the mail? So you assume 10% <laughs> and then yeah. if it's less, it's better. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so that's one, that's one interesting thing is with lost packages, if you're making a product that is valued at $50 or more, you're going to want to count package insurance in with your pricing as well. Because anything for fifty dollars and under, if you're using the United States Postal Service, that's covered in their shipping pricing. And they also mm -hmm. give shipping like tracking information automatically for yes. anything that's sent. So don't let anybody lie to you and tell you that you need to pay extra for tracking or anything like that. Yeah, don't but, do that. But Canada Post doesn't, so FYI, if anyone's ordering from Canada, <laughs> and if you have to pay extra for tracking. Yeah. But but if you are making like a high value item, really consider getting that insurance because yeah, and like if you lose a seventy five dollar product in the mail, you're gonna have to cover that, and you're gonna want you you're gonna want to have that insurance with you, even if it's an extra seventeen dollars, add that into your pricing. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. Miniatures are expensive too, like mm -hmm. vary a lot. <laughs> yeah, insurance is good. Yeah. yeah, I've lost many a many a little dudes. So in a couple minutes, we'll start taking some questions if anybody has them. If you do, please line up over here, and we will we will take questions. But we're we're going to talk about a few more things. And if nobody has questions, that's fine. We'll just keep talking about stuff. <laughs> Um, let's see. Oh, so reviews. Reviews are so important. Oh goodness. Um, if you're on Etsy, they automatically have a thing to do reviews. Well, but... the thing with Etsy is that the person who purchases from Etsy has to have an Etsy account in order to leave a review, and that's actually really pushing me away from Etsy because most of the people who purchase from me use guest accounts, mm -hmm. so it's impossible for them to leave reviews because Etsy won't allow it. Hmm. So there's something to think about when you're thinking about Etsy. Uh. <laughs> That's fairly recent, the guest accounts on Etsy yeah. too, because it was when I was leaving Etsy, they had just started introducing guest purchases, because before that you had to have an account to yeah. buy. I know, it's actually frustrating, because my dad always orders um, peppermint soap for Christmas, because he loves it, and he's done it like three years in a row, and he still doesn't have an Etsy account. Can you just make him one, and then just give him the password? <laughs> I might. It's good. Take the right password. If you're not on Etsy, do you have any way on your website to leave reviews? Yeah, Shopify has a few. There's no integrated, like you know, native Shopify feature for it, but um, there is an app that you can get. There are actually several free apps you can get. Um, they're super easy to set up, takes less than five minutes, where it allows you to have either a star rating or a comment or both, um, and the, the customer can be the one to choose. Um, and I think, depending on when you choose, some of them require someone to have made a purchase and like sign into their account to leave a, a review, or you can allow outside reviews that can then be moderated. Um, so, you know, if someone's bought with a guest checkout, they can still leave a review and then you can just make sure that it's not a bot or something leaving a comment on there, which does happen. But, yeah. I don't have a website. I don't sell things on a website. Um, you do have so, a website, though. Well, I have, okay, sure. I, I technically have a website, but I don't sell my painted miniatures on the website. Um, so I, I rely very heavily on kind of word of mouth and people talking and kind of sharing things. So don't be afraid to ask someone like, 
because usually like I talk in DMs with people when we're doing like the uh, commissions and then once they get it they're like yeah got yeah great and it's like could you share that like don't be afraid to ask people because they're excited about it and they like it and it's good and like things are positive so do you have a thing on marketing there at all I, I do. There, that's, that was actually that? going to... Okay, because this feels like a good segue. Well, actually, I do have a question. What's, what are the reviews Smooth, like for good. Wix? Because you use Wix right now. So, I'm really bad with computers, as I said before. I haven't figured out how to do an actual, like, integrated review in my website, but I did set up a form, which nobody's used yet. Um, I did set up a form, so there is a section in my website where you can uh, leave a review. I also went through and took screenshots of all of my Etsy reviews. Good call. And I added those to a gallery, so you can actually go and look at previous reviews from my Etsy page um, that like they're static, they're not going anywhere, they're pictures. So, I mean, there's no alternate text or anything like that. So it's a little bad for um, accessibility, but it was the best I could do with what I had at the moment. <laughs> um, so that's that's something I've been I've been working on, and I'll get it eventually. We'll get it. We'll get it. <laughs> that's a good solution, though. In the meantime, yeah. 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 It's, I, um, I will say, like, just to agree with what you were saying, like, don't be afraid to ask for the reviews. Like, put it yeah. on things in your yep. packaging. So, like, put it on your business card. Put it on, like, your little thank you note that you send yeah. them. Yep. Because people love handwritten notes yep. so much. They do. Uh, so, yep. like, say, hey, I would really love to see pictures of you with your new dice bag and all your dice in it. And then people just love, like, tagging, like, you in their pictures with mm-hmm. super cool dice bag and their super new dice and all that. Make your um, own hashtag. Yeah. And yes. so people love that, that stuff. Stuff. And so if you just put that on there, put it on the invoice, uh, you'll get a lot of reviews. I have a pretty high amount of return for like percentage of like people who do reviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Invoices yeah. are super important as well. Like yeah. it doesn't seem like it's a big thing, especially like I know a lot of people who sell on eBay and they just like shove things in a bag and send it to you, um, which is fine. But like get an invoice, even if you make it on Microsoft Word and print it out and shove it in there, like get an invoice. Yeah. I'm real um, bad about that. <laughs> real bad. Etsy is nice because they automatically oh, I know. invoice. <laughs> I, so I another thing great for beginners, but yeah. I actually stopped doing that because, oh. uh, well, I'm trying to go to as little waste as I can. Yeah. Um, and it feels like since we already have the electronic invoices and everything's, mm-hmm. everything's already there data-wise, um, if they have any questions, they can obviously contact me. And I put in like a little handwritten note with every one, so and a business card, so they know exactly where the package came from. And it usually says like thank you with the name and like have a great day or whatever. Yeah. Um, I guess I suppose. I, in, I guess I suppose in my case, the invoice like it is my business card. Yeah. So I I don't send tons of like different papers and stickers with packages. It's usually like the soap in like the nice little bags and like. I do my note on my invoice, so it kind of kills two birds. Oh, that's smart. Basically, it's just right on the invoice. Because I actually work from my invoice. When I get an order, I print it out, and then that sits on my studio table, and that's what I refer to (laughs) while I'm working. So Mm -hmm. for me, like a paper-based system works, and then that slip is what goes in with the dice when they send. Yeah, same. I don't include any invoices, but I always try to have like stickers and cards and buttons, and people love swag. 
It's worth it. People go crazy over stickers. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Myself included. Exactly. I do yeah, too. We all, like, we all have that in our seven year old. Oh, stickers. Or not yeah. stick them They're and great. just have a hoard of them somewhere. No, yeah. I have a pile of stickers. Oh my god, so many stickers that I haven't stuck in there. I've actually started covering my suitcase with stickers. Oh, that's a good idea. That's cool. I actually almost had a mix up with a little girl when I went to the West. <laughs> so she would not have liked what I had in my suitcase. Oh, no. <laughs> you never know. But <laughs> anyways, anyways. Uh, marketing. How, how, how do marketing work? Um, so I, I was actually just given a little marketing secret for like creating ads. If you've never heard of it, I highly suggest you check it out. There's a free portion, and then you can pay for more features. It's called Canva. Mm -hmm. I used Canva to Canva, C-A-N-V, like Victor A. Um, I used to go through and use like Microsoft Paint to try to cobble together like pictures and text and stuff like that. I'm really bad with computers, guys. <laughs> um, so, but someone told me about Canva as they were they were showing me stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, I got it, okay? I started playing around and within half an hour, I had a super cool little ad. The ad that you've probably seen pinned to my Twitter profile or on Instagram or something like that. I made that in about 20 minutes on Canva. That's brilliant. And it looks good too. Great. Right? Yeah, that's brilliant. It's okay. way better than anything I could have come up with on my own. So first off, try Canva for like picture ads. It's great. And they have like, you can do GIFs, you can do different like formats for Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Um, they even have where you can do like CD covers. Who the heck sells CDs anymore? But you know, that's not the point. <laughs> but I, I highly suggest starting there if you're going to do something. I, I do not recommend falling for any of the Instagram or Facebook marketing nope. um, things. I made that mistake <clears throat> early on. I wasted so much money on Instagram and Facebook campaigns that resulted in like 10 clicks. Zero purchases, 10 clicks, like the, the little thing was like, you have like 1 million impressions and 10 clicks. And I was like, okay, well that was a waste of 30 bucks. Um, so and I really, I really don't recommend it. I'm obviously terrible at marketing. I have this, I have this thing where I'm like, but why does anybody care about what I have to say in any aspect of my life? And yet here you all are. So um, <laughs> this is my marketing now. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but what, what you were saying about Instagram and, and Facebook and even Twitter, um, like ads, paid ads, mm -hmm. from what I have heard, I have not tested this myself. It's been a long time since I've done a Facebook mm -hmm. or Instagram ad. If you pay for it, they will then drop your engagement even further after on unpaid posts oh. in an effort to get you to pay more. So again, cannot yeah. confirm, have not tested, and other it, businesses have told me Engagement is already so hard on social media as well because I know at least with Instagram, they're like limiting who can see your posts already, like until you reach a certain number of followers that engage with it. Um, so yeah, definitely do not go for paid marketing on those platforms, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Consistency is the most important thing, and it will change everything about sharing on social media. Like, yeah. can you expand on that? Like, so, I don't know if you noticed, but like, I'll post a picture every morning. 
Like, and, and people see that, and they see that, and they, they come back for that. And, I mean, that's not a marketing thing. I enjoy it. I enjoy saying good morning to everybody. But creating that consistency with showing off your work, and people want to see your progress. I get so much more interaction on progress shots mm -hmm. than I do on, like, look, I actually spent 87 hours painting this thing. People would be like, that's cool. <laughs> but the all the other ones, they're like, wow, it's looking great, and there's a lot of support, and it's really great. Our community that we're all here, like all of you people are all absolutely wonderful, but sharing constantly is, you're not annoying anyone. Oh, no. I promise you, you're not. Like, they're following, they're looking at so many other posts, like, there's at least 30 posts between everything that you're sharing, like, and there's always going to be someone that has yeah. never heard of you, too. Right, like, exactly. You be, like, never be afraid to, you know, share and keep sharing no, because, always. like, always, there's always going to be that one who's like, oh, my gosh, these are really cool. And you're like, wow, I've, like, posted, like, an annoying amount. And I don't know <laughs> how you haven't seen it, but <laughs> yeah, it happens. Because, like, everyone gets on at a different time of the day, too. Like, yeah, some people get on really early in the morning. Some people get on, like, when they get home from work. So, like, if you posted something that day, retweet it. Like, retweet yourself. Mm -hmm. Retweet yourself like yes. seven times a day. <laughs> you can even be self-aware about it. If you post something at nine o'clock in the morning when people are getting ready for work, then in the evening, just like retweeting for the evening crowd. So I do that all the time. Seven. And see it. I'm on the East Coast, so seven, eleven, two, and eight are the four times a day that I post constantly, because that's when the most people are online and the most people are looking at it. It's the people who just woke up on East Coast, it's the people who don't really want to be at work anymore, so they're looking at something else yeah. on the East Coast, and then it's West Coast is awake, and then it's East Coast just got back from lunch, so they don't want to be at work anymore, and it's West Coast is about to go to lunch, so they have to figure out what they're doing, and then 8 o'clock, everybody's home. Chilling. Actually, you yeah. uh, you told me that about what um, almost a year ago. Mm -hmm. What time, suppose? It and works. Immediately, my engagement went like skyrocketing. Yeah. yeah. Could you just say them again? Just like so, the four. Seven. Seven. Seven a.m. 11 a.m., 2 p.m., and 8 p.m. Eight. Eastern. Eastern for time. Eastern. Those Eastern are for East Coast people. And, yeah. and another thing to think about is there are people on the other side of the world who can access your profile and all your stuff. I actually sell a surprising amount of stuff in New Zealand and Australia. Same. They're same. completely off the same timeline I am. I don't know how they, they found me because I only post during the day here, but you know, sometimes I'm up at midnight or one o'clock in the morning and I retweet myself. I'm like, hey, there's this thing that I just finished and then someone in Australia buys it because they're up early for them. Um, also, just very small side note, Twitter just, like I think this week, introduced scheduled posts. Oh so my God. you can now schedule a tweet. Cool. It is. Oh, God. Scheduled posts are the best. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, as far as I know, it's not on mobile yet. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, no, it is. I just did it. Yes, yeah, it is. Oh, my God. It's already yelling. I'm very passionate about this. This changes everything. This is how you get a room full of creators excited to talk about scheduled posts. So I think, I think too, like, it, it, figuring out what social medium will work best for you depends on your business. So if you have a very visual media, like, or I guess really all of yeah. us have like pretty, you know, cool looking yeah, stuff. Sure. Um, like Instagram's great. Instagram's also really big for food. So if you're looking at a food business, Instagram. I'm so bad um, at Instagram. Pinterest is great because it's Pinterest visual too. and it's a search yep. engine. So yep. if you do that search engine optimization, yep. 
excuse me, that we were talking about earlier, that's a great place, and I get a ton of views from that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I find I'm not very good at Instagram, so that's not really where I focus Same. myself, but um, if you're more into, like, the community building, Twitter is kind of the place to be. I, probably most of you here know that, or are somewhat aware <laughs> of that. probably um, aware of that. Yeah, I mean, probably kind of preaching the converted here on that one, but, like, <laughs> that's where I found the it's most, true, just, like, people that I know and, and you know, people who are looking for the type of thing that we are all doing. Yeah. And with with marketing too, always reply to people. It makes a big oh, yeah. difference. Yeah. When somebody comments on your stuff, like reply to them. Even well, if even it's, if it's emojis, little because that's all you have. Mm -hmm. Like because they matter and without them, like it's you got nothing. So it also uh, helps boost engagement because once you reply to that, mm -hmm. then that whole thread of the forward and backward of whatever you're talking about goes back to the top of everybody's newsfeed. Yeah. Right. So. Which is usually the first post and then the last post, yeah. which is your original post and then your like heart emoji. So people are like, oh, look at that. Yeah. Like obviously so someone's talking something good about this and this person's like, oh, hey, hearts. Oh, well, what did they say? And then and they're the going and, and clicking on the post and then they're going through and reading their replies, like what were the comments? What are people saying about it? So that's a real big thing. Um, also on the slightly like less pleasant side, don't be afraid to block trolls because there will be them. Yeah. For real. And you know what? It's They're not the people you want to interact with anyway. Nobody's so got time just, for that. Just block. Apply don't hesitate to, to block. Like, yeah. life is short. You do not owe your time to anybody in business or in life. Like, if someone's being mean, just block them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't try to reason with them. It's not worth it. So also in the marketing, and I see Danny has actually written the word down, <laughs> the G word, giveaways. Oh, my God, giveaways all the um, time. So you've, you've already written it down, so I want to hear what you have to say about it. Oh, no, I was just going to bring it up. Like, that's a great way to get people to see that, you know, haven't seen you before. Uh, I know I did like a Halloween giveaway with this adorable little canned corn dice bag I did. And um, like I got so many people being like, what in the world? Those are the coolest designs I've ever seen in a dice bag. And so like it just gets like a whole bunch of people to see your product, even if none of them are going to buy it, um, because it like advertises itself. Because if you have them retweet to enter it, then all their friends see it, and then all their friends see it. And so it just explodes from there. And even if they're not going to buy from you today, they might in two weeks or six months or a year. I have feelings about giveaways. <laughs> I do them a lot because I think they're a lot of fun and it's a cool way to kind of engage people and get more people seeing your stuff and interacting with you and all that stuff. But uh, keep it simple. Keep the rules simple. So it's like a like and a retweet. That's it. Like, yeah, I, it makes I, all the difference and more people will interact, like the more rules and regulations you put on it and I'll be sure to post when it's done like when it's over. Oh, yeah. I, people are still going to share it afterwards and whatever. That's yeah, set a limit like in the yeah. giveaway post. Right, in the Don't post. leave it open-ended. Say like, it's going to end at this time so that when right. people see it, they, <laughs> yeah. they know. Yeah. Um, people yeah. don't read though. I so they don't. Don't. Giveaway <laughs> but if you, if you put it in the giveaway graphic, that's mm -hmm. usually helpful because then the, they don't have to read too. that yeah. into text. It's just on the picture. Yeah. Pictures um, are great. I, I did good. notice though, no matter what I do, there's always like whenever I post uh, the winner of this is blah, blah, blah. There's always someone who ends up retweeting the original thing yeah. saying, 
oh hey look at this cool giveaway and I'm like the winner was already chosen like an hour ago I'm just, sorry just, just let them be it's exposure right it's one of those things like people are going to do that so yeah. don't be surprised yeah. when that happens because it happens all the time yeah um, and also talk about people missing stuff um, like every time I do a pre-order there's always somebody who messages me like a couple hours after it closes or like a day or two later it's like oh my gosh i missed this is there any way i can get it and i'm like sorry there might be grenades later but i won't know until i finish everything i have to make for it so yeah. stick to your guns oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really easy to be tempted to make exceptions <laughs> Don't do it. Unless it's something you're really excited about. I have yeah. had the odd request for a commission when I wasn't taking commissions that I was like, this is actually something I really want to do or try. Mm -hmm. I will consider it or like I will put you on a priority list for my next round, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. But it has to be worth it to you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's like if you, if you start making, yeah, because like unless it's a priority to you, if you start making exceptions, like at one step, you're going to start making them at step two and step three and then you're just going to stop having rules altogether. You'll be completely so. overwhelmed. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and don't be afraid to say no to literally yeah. anything. Yeah. Absolutely anything. If someone brings you, like, I want, like, for me, I want this specific fabric, and it's got offensive designs on it, I don't want to make it. I'm going to say no. Or if, you know, they, they I had a very um, questionable interaction with them previously, and I don't feel comfortable sending them, you know, my P.O. Box address on the return <coughs> shipping label. Mm -hmm. I can say no. You can give refunds if they've already paid for it from your website. Don't be afraid to say no, mm -hmm. because every time you say no, that's that's you taking a stand for yourself and for your mental health and your emotional health, and that brings us to work-life balance. <laughs> so what is that? You're welcome. Like, do you want to do questions? Soap Opera was created by me, Dallas Wheatley. It was created in Washington County, Vermont, the territory of the Abenaki people. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or just tell your friends and family about it. Spreading the word makes all the difference. If you have any questions about soap, tools, or ingredients, you can contact me through the links in the show notes. If you want access to exclusive episodes, including specialty ingredients, you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. Many thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompatech.com for the music. If you want to challenge your soap-making skills some more, I recommend checking out HumbleBeeAndMe.com, a wonderful website with tons of science-based soap, skincare, and makeup recipes. If you want to purchase any of the soap I made for this show, you can find it at ShireSuds.com. That's S-H-I-R-E suds.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Soap Opera. Happy sudsing! <laughs>